The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, I, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into Hour 2 of our three-hour tour. I'm Tom Sumner, and my guest this hour is uh, from New City Church. He is the author of a new book called Staying Awake. Reverend Tyler Honyin Sit joins me by phone. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Um, let's, let's talk about this, uh, a couple of different ways. Um, first, l- let me ask about the New City Church, because it's a little different. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, might not be what comes to mind when you hear the word church. <laughs> um, New City Church is a racially diverse community, uh, where mostly mon- millennials and Gen Zers, and about half of our church does not actively identify as Christian. So I mean a Methodist pastor, but um, many of the folks at New City Church are, are still kind of deciding whether or not they identify as Christian. And so I guess what's if it's not a church following the Christian faith, what does the church put their faith in, or do they? Or, or, or is it a misfits club? <laughs> and I don't mean to make that sound lady. so silly, yeah, yeah. Tyler, but... No, no, no. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so New City is, is definitely a Christian church. I'm a Christian pastor. We read from the Bible. I preach on Jesus. Um, but we approach uh, all of these things from a lens of, of really speaking to what matters to the community most on the ground, and particularly around social justice. So people in the community uh, who don't necessarily identify as Christian just want to be part of the social justice conversations, and then faith is kind of like 
for them it's an add-on, even though from my perspective it's core. And so, like, my book explores nine different rhythms or nine different practices that Christians do to stay awake to social justice in the world. And, and from my perspective, that is something that um, Jesus invited people to do 2,000 years ago. But for a lot of people's perspectives, it's just helpful practices for staying, um, for preventing activist burnout in, in the wild times that we're living in. And the name of the book um, is Staying Awake, um, the Gospel for Changemakers. And, and what do you mean by all of that? What do you mean by staying awake? And what do you mean of, uh, uh, about the gospel for change makers? Sure. So, um, staying awake, the, the title is drawn from the image of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, who asked his disciples to stay awake when he was about to be crucified. And so... Um, the kind of the angle or the approach of this book is that Jesus never stopped asking us to stay awake, that um, for all of the crucifixions and resurrections <laughs> that are happening in the world, for all the ways that injustices and, um, and resilience is happening in the world, uh, we as, as people of faith need to stay awake to them because that's where God is moving. Um, and, and that subtitle, the, the Gospel for Changemakers, <laughs> is simply saying that um, this is an exploration of Christianity for people who care about justice. Um, I open the book with the uh, image of being at a Black Lives Matter protest in 2015. And of course, like I'm doing ministry in South Minneapolis, and right now, um, with Dante Wright protests happening during the Chauvin trial, like all of these practices that have sustained us for the past six years are clearly um, still applicable. And why is it difficult for some of the people that are attracted to the church to be um, questioning the, the Christian aspect of it and the Christian teachings? Uh, why is it difficult for people who don't identify as Christians that kind of yeah who uh, don't identify that? as Christians but they but but they're drawn to the group because they mm-hmm. they fit in that community mm-hmm. aside mm-hmm. from the the accepting Christ and and the Christian uh, mm-hmm. teachings mm-hmm. yeah I think a lot of it has to do with Whenever folks turn on the news and they hear Christianity, uh, they see um, things like the insurrection or corruption or sexual scandals or um, supporting uh, things that that look really different from New City Church. And so I think people just have this hesitation because in many ways their faith is already there and, and their participation in the church is already there, but their hesitation to identify as Christian comes from seeing people who identify as Christian acting in really problematic ways in our country. I've said on, on multiple occasions that I thought there were two documents in human history that, that people misuse when championing mm. a cause, that being the, uh, the Holy Bible and the other being the U.S. Constitution. Um, <laughs> And, right. 
and, and, and I guess what I'm saying is that in many ways they're both sort of all-encompassing documents. Um, are, are people who would practice Christianity def- different than you do, Tyler, um, mm-hmm. are they able to justify it with things that they get out of the Bible? Oh, certainly, yeah. I, <laughs> we, we saw, I mean, at least of which at the insurrection, we saw people reading the Bible, we saw uh, people chanting Jesus' name, um, and, and, uh, and, you know, that's the story of America. Like, the, the Bible was used to justify slavery, one of the greatest human rights abuses that has happened in the history of humanity. Um, and, and, and I think that that's something that the Bible itself warns of. It, it says, like, hey, there's always going to be people who want to adapt the Bible to their own, um, to, to match the power structures that already exist. Like, there's always going to be a convenient Bible verse that justifies the exploitation of people or a convenient Bible verse that, that justifies um, uh, someone rising to power. And I think that the, the New Testament tries to have a lot of skepticism added into it to say um, whenever, we, whenever we see the appropriation of Scripture for the purposes of amassing power, that is, that is a contradiction to Jesus' message and mission. But that's that's not really new, is it, Tyler? I mean, I, I was just thinking of, I was hearing the song in the back of my head, Onward Christian Soldier. Oh, <laughs> I sang that when I was a kid, too. Yep. And Oh, yeah. It, you know, it, it means something very different than what most people would think. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, keep going. I, I, w- I was just saying that, that how many... How many times throughout history have we chanted something similar and and mm-hmm. operated under the belief that whatever horrors of war we might be inflicting, and I don't mean just the U.S., but, but any we mm-hmm. around the world, mm-hmm. that, that somehow we're, we're doing it in God's name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not new, is what I'm saying. Right? No, no, no. This has been the story pretty much since. I mean, for sure, since um, the 300, like around 326, when Constantine appropriated Christianity as the religion of the empire. But even before then, um, I, I think that one of the distinctions that's really helpful for the people at New City, and one of the distinctions I make in my book is the difference between Christianity and Christendom. So Christianity is like following Jesus and the gospel, <laughs> uh, the, the story of God's liberating love in the world. And Christendom is the appropriation of Christian language and symbols for the sake of uh, the existing power structures. And uh, I think that in the parable of the wheat and weeds, Jesus is telling us that there's never going to be a church that is 100% purely following the, the right way, and there's never going to be a church that's 100% purely missing the mark. <laughs> and, and, but it's our job to try to lean that as much into the gospel, as much into God's liberating love as possible, um, so, that, so that we're not just mirroring the empires of the world. And... 
What what is attendance like for the uh, for the New City Church? Is it is it is it growing? Are you because a lot of churches have seen decline? Yeah, yeah. So New City Church started in November. We started a weekly worship service in November of two thousand seventeen, and pre COVID, we were worshiping. I don't know, neighborhood of 8,500 people on a Sunday. And uh, and then we went 100% online during COVID. <laughs> and now we have, like, thousands of views from all over the world. Um, but who knows if that's just someone, like, scrolling by us while they're sitting on the toilet. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to count church attendance right now. But, um, but it does, by all metrics, New City is trending towards growth. And I want to talk a little bit about the book, but if uh, if I can get you to stick around, we've got a break coming up in a couple of minutes, and and we'll get into the book and and some of the uh, uh, things that you talk about in the book. If you can stick around, and we'll talk some more after the break. But um, but Tyler, let me let me ask this: Why was this a good time to come out with the book? Yeah, and <laughs> it's it's becoming a better and better time to have come out with the book, even after we <laughs> released it. Like, with the things that are going on in Minneapolis, Dante Wright, I really feel like the nation is at a crossroads where we're going to decide what public safety looks like, what uh, activism looks like, the role of the state and, and policing, and what an appropriate response looks like. And I am so scared of arriving at a decision around that without having really serious intentional spiritual practices, pauses uh, to happen for people to really be able to operate from their wisest self and not just from a posture of fragility or reactiveness. So um, so this is the, the book for folks to be uh, taking into account for their own spiritual life in the cultural moment that we're in as a nation. And this is an, an interesting uh, time in the history of, um, well, the world because of the pandemic, but in the U.S. because of, of the divisiveness. Yes. Yes, yeah, that's, that's huge. And I think that uh, the divisiveness is bringing up some um, really important underlying themes in our country <laughs> in in good and bad ways right <laughs> like we're seeing um i and certainly in minneapolis we're seeing this like blatant expressions of white supremacy like people just um uh during the george floyd uprising we found uh banners with swastikas on them <laughs> in oh, the alley like truly horrifying glimpses of white supremacy um and that has that has always kind of been subterranean and now the divisiveness is kind of bringing that up. But I also think that the divisiveness is an opportunity for creativity and for people to kind of like push past the status quo and create a new society where we relate to each other in, um, in more compassionate ways. And well, I, and Tyler, I I, I'm going to have to put a comma yeah. there. I, I do have to go to break, but we'll come back with uh, Reverend Tyler Sitt, author of Staying Awake from the New city church right after this everybody's doing a brand new dance now hi this is mark farner and you're listening to the tom sumner program 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We uh, continue now with my conversation with uh, Reverend Tyler Sitt from New City Church, and we're going to talk a little bit about his uh, his book, Staying Awake, The Gospel for Changemakers. He joins me by phone. Tyler, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Those are fun commercials. I, I like I like to sing it. Um, I, I mentioned before we went to break that I, I wanted to talk some more about the book "Staying Awake: The Gospel for Changemakers." Is is what Christ taught? Does it make us incumbent on being changemakers, or is turning the other cheek enough? Really interesting question. Yeah, I, I think that Christ, uh, at the end of his life, in the Gospel of John, we read about Jesus telling us that he's sending us an advocate, the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is a change agent in the world. And that change might look like forgiveness, that change might look like social reform, that change, you know, it, it could take a lot of different forms. But I do believe that the work of healing our society necessarily requires change. And I think that Jesus uh, set in front of his disciples numerous practices for us to get in touch with the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like, I don't know if we need to see ourselves as change makers, but we need to see ourselves as following a spirit that is making changes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I. it just, um, it, it strikes me that, that often people miss the point sometimes they look at miracles like changing water into wine or uh, mm-hmm. telling disciples to cast their net on the other side of the boat as as mm-hmm. being um evidence of of christ's power and and um his uh, uh deity if you will um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but they forget the reason he did those things was to feed people <laughs> Right. Yes. This it wasn't just a magic show. <laughs> yeah. But but we tend to like look at it that way. Yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. um, oh Hosanna, you know, and um, you know, bowing and and uh, worshiping and all that. But at the end of the day, the lesson was: I have this power. I want to use it to feed people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that at its best, Christianity shows how feeding people and worship are not mutually exclusive, but actually can feed into each other. Um, and so, like, the first chapter of my book is dedicated to worship because I love worshiping. I love um, um, uh, praising God. I love shouting Hosanna and that kind of thing. And for the other six days of the week, <laughs> God calls me to to change some things in, in society because we have really have a lot of work to do it's it's a little bit like god saying you know okay that's fine that's good thank you i'm flattered but do something <laughs> yeah and i, I, and I think get that, out there I mean, and do stuff <laughs> don't just sit on your hands yeah yeah i do think that there is a, a lot of action required to be a christian um and I, you know, you talked about the miracles, and I think that the miracles are just God's way of showing, like, that there is abundance and there is hope in, in the world. And that the everything reason why is that's possible. Important. That's right, yes. 
That's right. Yeah, and that's important to remind yourselves of because sometimes this work is hard, hard, hard. And if we don't have that hope and we don't remember everything is possible, then uh, then it, it can be easy to become discouraged. Um, but yeah, that's it's it really worship must lead into action. Yes. Well, tell me about the the lessons of uh, of your new book. Um, the Gospel for Changemakers. What are some of the things that you recommend in the book, Tyler? It's called Staying yes, Awake, so, by the way. Yes, uh, and it's on for sale at discount at, at chalicepress.com right now. Yeah, so the book walks through nine different Christian practices that I believe are the core components of staying awake to God in the world. And that's worship, centering marginalized voices, prayer, meeting in groups, observing Sabbath, practicing leadership development, being generous, planting new things, and putting it all together and living that as an integrated life. And I think that uh, Jesus certainly modeled all of this in his ministry, and as we see in the ministries of Paul and the rest of the New Testament and throughout our tradition, these nine habits kind of stuck around and allowed people to show up to the world in bigger and better ways. Um, let's let's pick a couple of those apart, if you don't mind, Tyler. Um, what what does observing the Sabbath look like? <laughs> yeah, I've I've talked to um, rabbis in Israel about this. I've talked to scholars at Boston University about this. Um, Sabbath is a really important rhythm for me, um, where at least one day a week I completely shut everything off. No more screens, <laughs> no more work, and I just attend Good for you. I don't know God people that <laughs> have that kind of discipline, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good on you, mate. <laughs> I, I try my best, and, um, and I think that the point of Sabbath is to, you know, it's like during the week, it's all about our effort. Like, oh, we have to work. We have responsibility. We have obligations. And the Sabbath is just kind of like a divine chiropractor that's kind of kind of crack you back into alignment <laughs> and say that like God is doing stuff in the world, and and um, our effort is not greater than God's work in the world, and so we get to take one day to remember pleasure and rest to and and to remember God's role in our lives. And then, you know, through the week when we're doing the things we do, very often um, toiling for ourselves and our families, when, mm -hmm. at, at what point do we take into consideration the needs of others, maybe even perfect strangers? Is it, when, is it only when we have abundance? Very interesting question, yeah. So in the scriptures about Sabbath, it talks about how Sabbath isn't just for people who can afford a vacation package and a timeshare at a cabin. <laughs> Sabbath is for the whole of society, for laborers. The Bible even talks about animals observing Sabbath, the land observing Sabbath. So the goal of, our, of, of the community of faith has to be for everyone to be able to observe a day off even for folks who are economically struggling, for folks who are in some really tough situations, like all of society is supposed to take a day off. 
And that's where social justice and rest intersect because um, it's not just about, you know, me getting my break in, but it's about me imagining a world where all of us could rest together. But how do people, you know, follow the intention of Christ and, and, and try to feed others um, mm-hmm. physically and spiritually, I suppose, um, when they're struggling to feed themselves? I um, I think that like a very important foundation for all of this is the idea of collective liberation and and thinking through like all of us if any of us are oppressed then all of us are oppressed if any of us are hungry then all of us are hungry and so like um, asking someone who is Actually, in in my community, the folks who are the hungriest or who are struggling the most are the most likely to volunteer because they know how hard it is and they know the pain <laughs> of being hungry and they they understand the the pain of of what it's like to struggle. So a lot of times, it's more convincing, you know, some of the more like middle class, upper middle class folks in our community that like just uh, going to church and then sitting in your home it doesn't count as living as a as a christian we have to express our faith in community together you know it's it's interesting recently um you know my show is based in flint michigan and flint is uh, well known now for the struggles we've had with our municipal water system and as a yes. result of that crisis a lot of people in this area and i know this is true around the country but i see it up close here um, have this this total lack of trust in leaders, whether they're elected yeah. officials, uh, um, the science community, um, all, all of these different agencies, and and so on. And there's this complete lack of trust. Where do trust and faith intersect, and and how can people mm. open themselves up to begin to maybe retrust? Yeah. So two things. First, I just wanted to mention that I do mention um, Flint, Michigan water activists in my chapter in leadership development. So there you go. Shout out to all you Flint folks. Um, <laughs> Kudos. I, and, and, I, and on behalf of all of them, thanks for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm inspired by the work that's going on there. But I, I did want to also, in response to your other question, like, you're absolutely right. There is a real erosion of trust um, happening, especially with leadership figures, especially with elected officials. And I, and I think that a lot of the legitimacy of leadership at New City Church has been about collective decision-making. So uh, almost every decision at New City is, um, uh, has an opportunity for the community to weigh in on it and for things like voting on decisions to happen. So, I'm, like, obviously... Ty, how do you going. keep that from turning into... Uh, a gripe session, as I've seen done so many times <laughs> in, in meetings that were yeah. intended to come up with some kind of a, a, a common outcome and, and series of uh, goals and actions, and it ends up just being this, this long-winded complaint. 
<laughs> the toxic town hall session. Yeah, there you go. One person take, yeah, yeah, where it's not really a meeting, it's a hostage situation. <laughs> and one I never thought of it that way, but I will from now on. <laughs> it certainly feels like that. Yeah, no, that, that has a lot to do with um, how you facilitate things. And so, for example, like, uh, if we have listening sessions, that's an opportunity for people to go around and share their stories, and that might be where people air their grievances, which in some regards are really important for us to hear. Like, sure. people have legitimate complaints. Um, and, like, putting things like um, very careful, like, time restrictions, or even if it's like, hey, we want to make sure that we hear from everyone, so we're not going to allow more than a two-minute comment for at the mic. Um, that's really helpful. And then coming up with, I, I've found a lot of benefit from taking all that feedback, coming up with a discrete list of, of options, and then having people vote on that instead of us having to arrive at a verbal consensus in real time. Because sometimes people just uh, can't do that, and they get really uncomfortable when we say, like, hey, we're going to talk about this until we come to a decision. <laughs> like, sometimes we need to air things out look for themes, and then vote on that. And that's been really helpful for me. Well, if you can get it to work, you should be uh, holding some town halls here in uh, Flint. <laughs> right, yeah. But let's talk about some of the other uh, lessons from, from the book. The book is uh, Staying Awake, the Gospel for Changemakers. What are some other lessons for changemakers in the book? Yeah, something that's really important for New City Church is the idea of centering marginalized voices. And that means that whenever we talk about a topic, the people who have been historically and currently marginalized in society based off of that topic get to speak to it first, get to steer the conversation, and get to decide when that conversation ends. So, for example, if we're talking about um, immigration, then we let the immigrants in our community start the conversation and we center the experiences of that. And the, the reason why that's important is because a lot of times it's easy for us to get um, to, to talk about uh, situations only from our perspective and not really thinking about the people who are impacted the most from it. And so Centering marginalized voices requires the the muscle to to listen intently to people who are, who may have had a very different experience from you, and then allowing the rest of the conversation to unfold from that. Well, that's uh, that's good advice. Um, how much of the the book is um, social and cultural and how much of it is gospel? Ah, see, for for the folks in New City Church, those are, those are deeply intertwined together. <laughs> you know, like the theology and the social commentary are just two sides of the same coin. Um, but I would say that each chapter is split up into three sections. So um, there is like Com community poetry and testimonies so we can hear from folks on the ground. Then I kind of explain a little bit of the theology and kind of what's behind it and the applicate, how we apply our theology to certain uh, beliefs. 
And then at the end of the ch each chapter is like a practical worksheet or checklist that helps people get going on these practices. So for the practice, or you know, for the chapter on worship, we have a checklist of here's how to find a church to worship at. <laughs> for, for our groups chapter, it's here's how to start a group, and like that is important to us because again, like Christianity isn't just about belief; it's about action in the world. Tyler, I was poking around the uh, New City Church website, and I saw you referred mm -hmm. to as church planter slash pastor. What does that mean? <laughs> are you, are, are, is this one of those things where you're a pastor and you're also the gardener? I wish my house plant, my dying house plants would tell you otherwise about <laughs> my gardening abilities. No, that planting simply means that you're starting a new, a new thing. So a church planter is someone who starts churches from the ground up instead of going into established churches. So like originally New City was just me in my living room with a couple of friends. And then we outgrew the living room and we moved to an art gallery. Then we outgrew the art gallery and we moved to the space where we are now. So like that's what, that's what planting means. Okay. I had a feeling that's what it meant, but I was curious. <laughs> I hadn't seen it used that way before. Um, so now, is, is you talk about collective uh, decision-making and group decision-making. Mm -hmm. How big a group? Is, is there a, a representative council, or is it just wide open to the congregation? Yes, so we, um, for most of our community listening sessions, we allow anyone who has worshipped with us any number of times, even even first-time visitors, to, to weigh in. Um, for, like, core vision and mission kind of questions, we have um, what we call full partners. We don't, uh, we don't like the word membership as much, but full partner is kind of, like someone who's really committed to the church and, and we have a kind of a checklist of how they become full partners. And those full partners are the ones who vote on like the core functioning parts of New City Church. Um, and, and then, of course, there's staff as well who's on the ground listening to people all along the way. With, um, I, I, I might as well just ask this straight out. I'm trying to find some clever way to ask this, but how do you fund this place? <laughs> Fascinatingly, um, New City has um, uh, really been successful in, in, in fundraising, both from within our community and from outside of our community. And I think the reason why is because the story of New City shows a future that so many people desperately long for. <laughs> like, there's a lot of people out there who said, you know, I really loved church, and then I saw how my uh, gay friends couldn't come to church, and I got really uh, burned out from it. But I still believe in God. And so, like, when those folks, uh, when folks who are activists in the community looking for a place of respite, when uh, folks who are not active in social justice want a place to plug in, all of them see New City as part of the future that they want to create. And when people experience that, they tend to show a lot of financial generosity. 
So, um, yeah, that's so far we've been doing pretty well. And I should also mention that uh, surely New City would not be possible without the generosity of our denomination, the United Methodist Church. Um, the Minnesotan United Methodists invested a lot up front for New City Church, and that made all the difference. Where did the name come from? Great question. So um, I was doing a, a community listening session around gentrification, um, which is kind of the story of, of uh, Powderhorn is that in the 80s and 90s, a lot of uh, the neighborhoods struggled with drugs and crime, and families got together and said, we don't want our kids walking uh, by factories on the way to school anymore. So they, they put in bike lanes and put in public gardens and um, even shut down one of the factories that was giving kids asthma. Um, but they were so good at that that they, the cost of living started going up and the same people who built the neighborhood are getting displaced out to other neighborhoods. And so that was like a really big theme in my listening tour. And we realized that in the Bible, there is actually a response to that. In Revelation 21, at the very end of the Bible, there's this image of heaven, which is like God sending a city down to earth. And that's a city where all tribes are welcomed in, and there's no more violence, and where the whole earth is renewed. And so we realized, like, we are seeing our neighborhood going in one direction, but the promise of the Bible offers this vision of a new city, and that's what we want. So that's where we came up with the New City Church. Well, Tyler, you mentioned the um, uh, where the book is available, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about uh, about you, the book, New City Church, um, and and the work that you do, past, present, and future. Um, do you do you have a web? Well, I know you have a website for the church because I've been there. <laughs> And uh, people can go to my website, tylerstitt.com. That's Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, sit like sitting in a chair, S is in Sam, I-T. Uh, tylerstitt.com has all the links for buying books, including uh, the link to Chalice Press, where you can buy the book on a discount right now, straight from the publisher. And when does the, does or did the book come out? Just this past week. Excellent. Uh, we had our launch party. A uh, bunch of people attended this virtual party from all across the country, uh, getting really excited about this book. Well, good luck with the book, and thanks for spending this time with me and uh, and, and sharing uh, a little bit about the book and about New City Church with me and the listeners today. Reverend Tyler uh, Huyen Sit is uh, the author of Staying Awake, the Gospel for Changemakers, and he is a uh, planter slash pastor <laughs> with the New City Church. Thanks so much, Tyler. I appreciate it. Thank you. God bless you all. Keep up the good work. Thank you. And with that, we're going to take a uh, short break. We're going to let our broadcast partners at... Uh, WFOV 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio in Flint. Squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And there's still a lot more of the Tom Sumner Program to go. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. 
We will be back with more right after this. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. One by to see my minister yesterday. You know what my minister told me? He was saying how much pressure women are under from the devil and how the devil just hounds women. You know, that's rough, too, being a minister. I mean, he told me, he said, you're coming here complaining about your problems and I got to wage this constant battle against the devil. I said, yeah, Rev. <laughs> he told me his wife came in the house a few days before and she had this box. And on the side of this box was written the name of a very exclusive dress shop. The lowest dress was $85. That was on sale. <laughs> so she walks in the house and Rev says, another dress? You bought another dress? This is ridiculous. That's the third dress this week. And his wife tells him, the devil made me buy this dress. <laughs> Said, I didn't want to buy no dress. The devil kept following me. I was going down the street going, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the devil kept following me and he kept telling me how good I look. Rev said, I'm not going for that. He said, every time you do something wrong, you blame it on the devil. He said, you blamed it on the devil when you ran the car and it decided a church. <laughs> it was the devil. You wasn't there. How do you know? He grabbed the steering wheel out of my hand. Rev said, well, why didn't you step on the brake? Said, because when he grabbed the steering wheel, I tried to kick him. <laughs> you can't kick him and step on the brake at the same time. Said, and we had a big fight. And that's why I was in the back seat when you all got the call. <laughs> Rev said, well, how'd the devil get you to buy the dress? She said, I was going out of jail. And the devil sneaked up behind me. Sneaked. I heard him tip until, you know, I didn't want to look around because I knew it was the devil, you know. <laughs> The devil came up behind me, said, said, uh, say, mama, look at the dress in the window. <laughs> said, that's your size, too. Said, it's on sale, too. Got a lot of them flowers in it like you like, you know. So why don't you treat yourself to that dress? And I told him, you better cut that out, devil. <laughs> I already bought two dresses this week. I'm not going to buy no dress. I'm not even going to look at it. The devil said, well, why don't you try it on? So they're not gonna charge, charge you nothing to try it on. I mean, that's free. You owe yourself a try on. I said, devil, you better leave me alone. And he shoved me in the door. The devil just shoved me in that door. He pushed me in the door. I said, devil, stop it, please. You gonna buy that dress? I said, I'm not buying no dress, devil. And he pulled a gun. <laughs> devil pulled a gun and he threatened me and made me sign your name to a check. <laughs> Rip said, well, look, said, how come every time the devil makes you do something, it's something for your benefit? When's the devil gonna do me a favor? 
And his wife tells him, he's dead already. I asked the devil about that. He said, if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't even have a job. <laughs> Why be seated? Everybody say amen. 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 Now, before we start, I got two announcements I want to read off to you. The deacons wish that whoever keeps writing, meet me in the basement on the back of the hymn books would cut it out because everybody that goes down there tracks mud all over the church. <laughs> amen. And the deacons also wish that whoever keeps putting the frog in the baptismal pool would cut that out because everybody's getting warts from it. Everybody say amen. 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 Now, preacher went a hunting. It was on a Sunday morning. Now, coach was again his religion, but he took his gun along. He shot himself some very fine quail and one old measly high. And then on his way returning home, he met a great big grizzly bear. Well, that bear marched out in the middle of the road, and he walks to the preacher, you see. Well, the preacher, he got so excited, he clumb a persimmon tree. Well, the bear, he sat down upon the ground, and the preacher climbed out on a limb. He cast his eyes to the God in the skies, and these words he says to him. Oh, Lord, didn't you deliver Daniel from the lion's den? Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale and then The three Hebrew chillin' from the fiery furnace, so the good book do declare Well, oh, Lord, if you can't help me, for goodness sakes, don't you help that bear? Yeah! Well, that preacher set up in that tree, some say that hit us all night Along about daybreak, he says, oh, Lord, if you don't help that bear, then you're gonna see one awful fight well, just as he said it, the limb let go and the preacher, he come floating down. Oh, it was a sight to see him just before he hit the ground. He struck old earth a cutting right and left. He did put up a pretty good fight. Before he could do much, that bear grabbed him, squeezed him a little too tight. Well, the preacher, he lost his hunting knife, but the bear held on with a vim. So one more time, he cast his eyes to the God in the skies, and these words he says to him. Oh, Lord, didn't you deliver Daniel from the lion's den? Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale And then the three Hebrew chillin' from the fiery furnace So the good book do declare Well, oh Lord, if you can't help me for goodness sakes Don't you help that bear This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, we've got uh, a guest coming up in the next hour. We're going to talk about uh, a new book called Connect, Building Exceptional Relationships with Family, Friends, and Colleagues with uh, David Bradford from the Stanford Graduate School of Business. And uh, that was a back-to-back -back comedy spotlight. I wanted to squeeze in that little Andy Griffith uh, riff there at the end. Uh, it, it, since we were talking to a pastor earlier this hour, I thought it was kind of fun to do a couple of pastor stories back-to-back, -back, but also that one from Andy Griffith because of a very unusual thing that happened uh, here in uh, the Flint area just uh, just yesterday. Um, 
in a place where we don't typically see bears, someone hit and killed a bear on I-75 near Beecher Road. Strange, uh, strange occurrence to be sure. Anyway, um, I thought we'd uh, do one more little uh, little piece uh, borrowed from the late uh, comedian, uh, songwriter, singer Tim um, Wilson. And uh, that'll take us up to the top of the hour, and we'll get into uh, our third half of the three-hour tour shortly. But first, here's uh, Tim Wilson. Well, the church burned down and no one knew what Pentecost that this was gonna do. The Sunday brimstone got so that gum hot it burned up a church bus in the parking lot. In a panic, the Reverend Dr. White called up an axe member that hadn't lived right. The old Joe's bear joint right across the fence. It's the same Joe's he's preached against. He said, I don't really want to be a hypocrite. I got a Sunday school class about to have fence. We're all excited about revival week and been moved by the spirit, so to speak. With all the souls we saved and money we spent, we thought God told us to sell that tent. I got a famous evangelist supposed to come, done run out of chairs. Will you loan us some? Joe said, well, you can just use the whole dang place. Ain't nine on the jukebox, amazing grace. I ain't supposed to be open because of them blue laws, but we'll open the night if it's all right with Joe. Preacher says, well, I reckon it'd be okay. The good Lord works in mysterious ways. I'm going to talk about Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and I reckon I could do it from the DJ booth. At the First Baptist Bar and Grill It's the only church in the Bible Belt that smells like a whiskey still When the sinners finish one more round We'll have dinner on the ground And go inside and pray we don't get killed The evangelists came with a well-dressed choir They showed up around happy hour Looked around the joint and didn't take it real well Said the white ministry has gone to hell Talk youth Sunday school and two dickens in the back room shooting pool were sharing the Lord with a Jim Beam rep who was teaching Ms. Mills some line dance steps. Reverend White was reading from the book a loop to a tall drunk trucker about the puke he had John 316 memorized trying to dry him out to get him baptized. The evangelist yelled about the lights and the bears and White, you can't save any souls in hell. This place ain't nothing but a den of sin. It's the kind of place Baptist ought to be in. Preacher says, well, we don't really need Joe here. You didn't do a very good job last year. You only saved one sinner. I was Todd McGuire, a little SOB that set my church on fire. Joe's bear joint has done been revived. Only been here an hour and I done saved five. Sure, it's got mirrors and a big dance floor, but I finally found the flock dog called me for it. They're at the first Baptist bar and grill. It's the only church in the Bible belt that smells like a whiskey still. Not a stained glass window anywhere in sight, just a bloodstained floor and neon lights and the communion wine, and here is always chill. And we're here every Sunday, we're living large, we're the only church with a covered charge. And if you don't like our doctrine and think we ain't devout, we'll have our bouncer throw your butt out of the First Baptist Bar and Grill. Amen, sister. 
Hi, I'm Alexander Zajic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. Tom Sumner. 